Thank you for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We are now continuing with Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Shulman. Hi, this is Roy Shulman, and welcome again to Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around, that celebrates the fulfillment, the full realization of the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and her sacraments. Well, we are at the uh, at this very special time in the Jewish year. The high holidays have just drawn to a close, and a couple of my recent shows have been about them. First, there came Rosh Hashanah in the middle of September, and then uh, just about two weeks ago or so, Yom Kippur, the uh, Day of Atonement, the most serious and grave fast day of the Jewish New Year. You can think of it kind of as the Jewish version of Lent, only squished into a single day. And uh, and then we finally closed out the high holiday season with the uh, holiday of Sukkot, or the Feast of Booths. Now, the Feast of Booths is, is a very important holiday on the Jewish calendar, but it's also of interest to us as Catholics because it figures a number of times in the New Testament. The, there are incidents in, in Jesus' life when he goes up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths that are very key events. And so for today's show, I was planning to spend most of the show playing a previous show, actually, from a couple of years ago. I had a, a Jewish convert woman on from a very orthodox form of Judaism. And we discussed the Feast of Booths, or Sukkot, in its meaning both in Judaism and its resonances with Catholic theology and its resonances with the life of Jesus. So without further ado, I will turn to that uh, recording of uh, the central part of that show from, I believe it was three or four years ago. My guest uh, in that show is Marie. And uh, so let's just get get going with it. Let me welcome our guest, Marie. Are you there, Marie? I'm here, Roy. I think there may be, uh, and we can go back to that. But first, uh, let me wish you a gamar show. And that means uh, that you should be completed for good. Now, uh, oh, yes. as you mentioned, got... Of course. Excuse Why me? don't you talk about that? That there's the writing in the book, there's the there's the yes, closing yes. the book, but there's also the completing the book, so to speak. Right. So Gamarto means be completed for good. And as you mentioned, we've gone through this high holiday period going back to uh, uh, the beginning of the, of the month with uh, Rosh Hashanah and Prior to Rosh Hashanah and on Rosh Hashanah, Jews will greet each other with the saying, Chativa uh, Tova, you should be inscribed for good, written down for good. As you said, the books are open before God, and he's making his notations of who will live, who will die, who will get rich, who will get poor, who will this, who will that. He's making all these determinations. So, so we say, may you be written down for good. After Rosh Hashanah and until Yom Kippur, we say Hatima Tova, which means you should be sealed for good. That's 
the uh, verdict has been written down. Now it's sealed and stamped, and it should be for good. And you would think after Yom Kippur that that's, that's finished, but we have another chance, and all through Sukkot until the end of Sukkot, where we have Hoshana Rabbah, and our listeners would be very uh, familiar with that term. Hoshana Rabbah is the great Hoshana, or you can say Hosanna in the highest. So it is that, that great and magnificent time, and uh, of course, time of full forgiveness, because we hearken back to our, our Lord's sacrifice, and He is the true uh, uh, redemption for us and forgiveness of sin. But going back to those greetings on Hoshana Rabbah, you'd say, Piska Tova, that you should have a writ, W-R-I-T, that that's the verdict has been written down, it has been sealed, and now it's going to be sent out. May it be a good sending out. Now, so this is like there are the even, legal principle sorry. of signed, sealed, and delivered. There you go, signed, sealed, and delivered. And yes, and yes, <laughs> God is so merciful, and the, the Jews are so hopeful that uh, there are some chassidim that will continue the uh, generic term of gamarto, right? Not just katiba uh, tova, uh, you'll be written for good. Katima tova, you'll be sealed for good. Piska tova, delivered, signed, sealed, signed, delivered, sent out. But also gamarto, that that just colloquial uh, term of you should be completed for good. We can say that all the way up to Hanukkah time, right? So that's around Christmas time. And, and the reason for that is because there are a lot of prayers at Hanukkah that talk about uh, contrition, and there's the rededication of the temple, and there's there's a, a lot of echoing on salvation. So we put that in again. And that, that reminds me of many times we, we've talked about how um, the Jewish people, uh, you know, this is a very solemn time and a very happy time because we're looking forward to God forgiving us. But it's also a very... Um, uh, 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 I don't want to say insecure, but a, a, a trying time because we don't have, or I say Jews don't have, the, the confidence that we as Catholics have of hearing those words that we hear in confession of your sins are forgiven, go in peace. We know our Lord did, did the job. We're all forgiven. But, you know, we continue to sin and we have recourse to, uh, the confessional that'll help us with that. Um, the Jewish people don't have such a thing. We do have, the Jews have a, a corporate pardon that comes on Yom Kippur, and we believe that's written in the written law that God will forgive the Jewish people annually, but again, it's the people. It's, it's not the individual. So there will be a Jewish people. Will this individual Jew survive the year, and will his year be, would, are his particular sins forgiven? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe that's why we keep extending that greeting. Let it be good. Let it be good. Let it be good. Because, you know, <laughs> oh, please, give us another chance. Give us another chance because we don't have that that confessional. Yeah. But, um, so, again, a gamarto that you should be uh, uh, completed for good. And, and as I was uh, looking over, that term uh, or the, the root, gamar, that is not uh, used very often in the Bible. In fact, I only found it twice and both times in the Psalms, and they are so full of Christmas.
theological meaning. I mean, all the Psalms are, but mm-hmm. those verses, those two verses, uh, one is from Psalm 12, verse 2, which says, Hoshia Adonai Igamar Hasid. Save us, Lord, for your devout one has completed it. Igamar, he's completed it. Now, who's the devout one? Who's the righteous one who's completed it? Didn't our Lord say on the cross, mm-hmm. it is consummated, it is finished. And that is what Samar means. The other place is Psalm 138, verse 8, which says, Adonai Yizmar Ba'adi, Adonai Chastachal Le'olam. Lord, you've completed on my behalf. In other words, you've taken on for me. You have done this. Your mm-hmm. kindness is everlasting. Is there any possibility that, um, I, I, I'm really going out on a limb here. There's no possibility, is there, that that was the word that Jesus used on the cross when he said, it is finished? It is very likely that that is the word, yes. Wow. That's, that, so that's incredibly incredibly beautiful because then what he is doing is he is um he, uh, there's an equation being made or a link being made between him completing his act of redemption and us being forgiven yes yes isn't that wonderful it is so beautiful and it, 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 it's been it, it, it's all tied into him he has completed it and what has he completed he's completed our salvation which is the forgiveness of our sins, which he has taken on, which the psalm says directly, you've taken on for us. You have completed this by taking this on for us. And then the earlier uh, uh, verse of, of the righteous one has completed it, and so has come our salvation. It's, uh, it's just, oh, I mean, it just fits so beautifully, so beautifully. And um there's so many, uh, I mean, all of scripture you can see, uh, obviously, it's, you know, as you, as you mentioned every, every week of, of, uh, of, we see that continuity between Judaism and Christianity. So we have a foreshadowing in the, in the Old Testament and the fulfillment in the New. And, and I was thinking that it, it's very, um, interesting in terms of, uh, uh, you can look at Judaism that way of of a, a a not just a foreshadowing but a shadowing so to speak and also we take this uh, 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 metaphor so to speak of the trees you have the the trees giving shade which the sukkah will also give us shade and there's a whole uh, uh, religious interpretation of what that means. Well, why don't we but back tree, up? Why don't we back up a little bit? Because you know, I, I I don't know how many of our listeners are aware of why what we're talking about is Sukkot is all is said called in English the Feast of Booths. What it has to do with booths, how it's celebrated, what it commemorates, and all of that. In other words, I, I doubt that you know a majority of our listeners knows what a Sukkot a Sukkot is or Sukkot mm-hmm. is. Okay. So should we back so, up with uh, this? Well, uh, you want to encapsulate or should I? Well, I'll start and, and, um, and you can, uh, head me off at the pass and correct me and, and backfill and stuff. But 
the the holiday, which is called Sukkot, that word is the plural of the word for booth. It means booths or huts. And um, it's got a couple of reasons for being. Uh, one of them that's universally uh, referenced is that um, it commemorates the Jews' passage through the desert during the Exodus when they didn't have any fixed dwellings uh, to live in. And so it's kind of a, a return to that uh, experience. It's when it is, um, when it, the holiday is commanded in the Old Testament, um, there's also a reference to it being essentially a, um, a harvest festival. I'll just read a couple of verses from um, Deuteronomy chapter 16. You shall keep the Feast of Booth seven days. By the way, this this feast is seven days. I'm, I'm not sure we mentioned it. Uh, tomorrow is the day when it begins, but then it continues for seven seven days. You shall keep the Feast of Booth seven days when you make your ingathering from your threshing floor and your wine press. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your manservant and your maidservant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place which the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you will appear altogether joyful. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place which he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord, your God, which he has given you. So we see a couple of things in this passage from Deuteronomy 13. One is, of course, that it lasts seven days. Another is that there is an element of it being a, um offering of the first fruits of, of the harvest of the threshing floor and of the wine press. And the other thing is that it's a pilgrimage, what later became known as a pilgrimage feast, that is the Jews were under an obligation to go to the temple, to go to Jerusalem for the celebration of this feast, as they were for the feast of, or for the holiday of Passover and for Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which that's the topic of another show, but that sort of correlates quite well with um, Pentecost. So um, do you want to take it from there, Marie? Okay. So uh, as you mentioned, there was a pilgrimage festival. It's interesting. You had the, the Passover where the Jews uh, were delivered uh, out of Egypt, and then you have the Feast of Weeks, as you mentioned, Shavuot, which corresponds to Pentecost, and Pentecost had the coming down of the Holy Spirit, while Shavuot had the God giving up the law, the written word, and then and then Sukkot, the dwelling in the booth. After the Jews had left Egypt, they were given the law, and then they were 40 years wandering in the desert, but were sustained the whole time. Manna was given to them daily, and they were covered with the Ananes Atavod, the clouds of glory, and the physical sense of the boots that they traveled with. And uh, it, it's interesting with um, uh, the laws, the, the Jewish law, like you have uh, uh, the canon law, you have the uh, halakha, the Jewish law, that will uh, tell you the X, Ys, and Zs, and even more so, right, full of minutia. Uh, the, can- the code of, can- of uh, Jewish law, the Shulchan Aruch, 
which gives the specifics for the many, many laws in Judaism. This one particular law is not only given as in its particulars, but it's mandated that when the Jew goes into the, the Sukkah, that booth, on the first night and makes the blessing of having this, this, fulfilling this commandment, he has not fulfilled the commandment unless, when saying that blessing, he is remembering the Anei HaKavod, not just the physical tent, but the metaphysical tent, God's sheltering protection with those clouds of glory over us. And, and that's the only place in, in Jewish law where it's incumbent to have, have a, 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 an intention beyond the intention. Normally it's an intention to fulfill this command. That's the intention. This goes an intention beyond the intention that you should remember that. That's God's sheltering protection, both physically and spiritually. And um, the mystical tradition of Judaism, in fact, Called the the sukkah, the um, the shadow of faith. Isn't that interesting? The shadow of faith, and that that reminds me of what we were saying before of how the Old Testament it prefigures the new, foreshadows the new. So it's, it's that shadow of faith, that experience, both the historical and physical experience the Jews underwent, would later be fulfilled in the light of Christ. It won't be a shadow anymore. It will be the real thing. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's that connection. Also with that connection is um, coming right out of, of uh, Yom Kippur, just a few days afterwards, as we mentioned earlier, uh, within the biblical text and within the prayers on Yom Kippur, when the Jews have finished that fervent praying that from 26 hours of not eating or drinking and just being in, in constant prayer, the end of that period, it says, Etem uh, Kitaru, that I have, not, it's not uh, just forgiven you, it's cleansed you. Kitaru is to cleanse. <laughs> Sounds very familiar to, you know, a washing away of sin, very familiar to the, uh, the concept of baptism. However, the Jews coming out of that, what is that they go into? They go into Sukkot, which is the holiday with perhaps the most intricate uh, uh, horde of, of laws with such delicate and minute uh, details. And, um, and yet it's called, and I think you mentioned this in one of our earlier talks, of uh, this holiday is called uh, Zaman the time of our joy. So for a Jew, his joy is to perform God's commandments. And the code comes with all these many, many commandments. And being in the sukkah, I saw one of the interpretations that pointed out very uh, beautifully that being in that hut, one is enveloped, is encompassed, is surrounded by God and his law, surrounded by it, right? So if you come out of, of Yom Kippur, you're cleansed, and you go into this uh, uh, keeping of the laws, which surround you, and you're surrounded by God. And yet, 
here we go, foreshadowing. Let's go on to the real thing, the light of Christ. With baptism, then we get the sacrament. And what happens with the sacrament? God isn't surrounding us. He's inside us. It becomes that higher level yet. So I think that the the, uh, mystics, had something, whether they knew it or didn't know it, sometimes Holy Spirit just speaks in the words and the writings of, uh, of the sages, of, of that this was the shadow of faith in that to come, but it would give, give uh, forth to later when our Lord would come real, real faith, where He would be the fulfillment of, wow. of all the festivals. Well, let me see if I can make a transition there and take advantage of a a mystical transition, too, at the same time. Because if I don't have it wrong, it was during Sukkot that Jesus, for the first time, publicly announced himself in the temple and basically, basically asserted his messiahhood in the temple. So he came out of the shadows on Sukkot. Let, so you really came to light, yeah. That's let a, me read uh, the beginning of John 7, um, because it's the only time that I'm aware of in the New Testament where an event in the life of Jesus is explicitly tied to the Feast of Booths, to Sukkot. By the way, it's the same Hebrew word that's translated sometimes as booth and sometimes as tabernacle, so very often... In the Gospels, it'll be referred to as the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, and I'm inviting you, Marie, and also our listeners, um, to perhaps think, as I'm reading this reference to Jesus during the Feast of Tabernacles, about what, what mystical connection there might be between the events that are being recounted and the fact that it is in itself during the Feast of Tabernacles, because nothing that happens in um, the life of our Lord is random coincidence. So let me just read some of the verses from uh, chapter 7 of the Gospel of John. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. So his brethren said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples may see the works you are doing. For no man works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brethren did not believe in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evils. Go that its works are evil. Go to the feast yourselves. I am not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. So saying, he remained in Galilee. But after his brethren had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man, others said, No, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. The Jews marveled at it, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If any man's will is to do his will, he shall know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. 
He who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Wow. So he is revealing himself for the first time during Sukkot. Yes, and and there was an urgency there, apparently, because as as you read at first, he wasn't going to go. Then the middle of the holiday, he came. And yes, he revealed himself. Why he chose this time, you know, there, there, like you said, there isn't anything random in the life of our Lord, so that there was some urgency. Um, if you go a little farther um, uh, in in that passage, it will talk specifically about the Messiah. And later, the rivers of living water yeah. on the I'll last and passage. greatest day of the feast. Yes, on on the last day of the feast, the great day, this is verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, that's that's the great day of the sealing, right, that you mentioned. The great day, Jesus (laughs) stood up and proclaimed, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now Now this he said about the Spirit which those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This is really the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. Yep, so you have him here revealed at this time. And uh, interestingly, because you just mentioned about the the living waters, and that was on that last day, the Hoshana Rabbah, Hosanna in the highest. Or or the great great salvation, right? The great salvation, correct, and uh, which he personified. And in in the biblical text, the the verse that describes what is to be done on Sukkot, on that that last day, is a, a water libation. That's the only time that there's a water libation. And yet it says, plural libation, so there's the water libation, and then there was, was the usual, was the blood libation from the, the particular uh, animal sacrifice. Let me just ask so you to back you up. Have, What's a libation? Let, what, explain what a libation is just oh, briefly. The, the, the pouring out onto the altar. Okay, thank so you. The, Pouring out onto the altar of water, the water libation only occurred on the last day of Sukkot. It was there was no other water libation. And that's there the all day kinds that, of sacrifice. That's the day that Jesus and, and, uh, said basically that he's the yeah, living water. Correct. So I mean, he couldn't be any more uh, 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 explicit than that. It's, it's uh, implicit and explicit all at the same time. And this idea of the libation, plural, which would be referring both to the, the blood libation and the water libation, doesn't that conjure up what happened on the cross when the, the, uh, uh, when the lance was thrust into his side and forth came the water and the blood, the divine mercy right there. And he's, he's, he's uh, foretelling it right here, right there in the temple. Wow. So uh, this, this this holiday is full of full of so much of 
of, of his glory, just like those clouds of glory, God's protection, so enveloping us and now going to be inside of us. It's, it's now, just... Uh, uh, let me ask you to, to remind me and, and remind our listeners, uh, you said something earlier that associated, if I, if I remember correctly, I might not, the last day of Sukkot with something which was reminiscent of baptism? Uh, well, uh, well, uh, I, it wasn't, uh, necessarily the last day of Sukkot, although we could, we could say that because of the waters. And, and you have, you know, like you think of during the, the Easter season where there's the, uh, the, the sprinkling says, you know, it's from the prophetic, I've seen the water flowing from the temple. And, uh, and then we can, you know, so we could tie that to baptism. We can also tie the water flowing from the temple. The Lord is the temple. Uh, he himself is the temple. As he said, you know, he would, uh, the temple would be destroyed in three days. It would, he would build it up again, meaning that would be his body. So, um, there's that connection there. But the connection I was making about was after Yom Kippur, the, the phrase, uh, that God Kitharu, I have cleansed all okay. of you. Okay. It's not, uh, it's not, I've pardoned you, I've forgiven you. Those things are there too in, in the, the liturgy about pardoning and forgiving and, uh, and, uh, um, uh, atonement. But cleansing, the final, uh, uh, step of all that has happened will be that cleansing. So I said that, that, Harkens to that word cleansing sounds like washing, sounds like baptism, and then we go into the uh, into Sukkot. So from from the baptism, so to speak, into the uh, the uh, laws of the keeping the laws of the Lord in all their their uh, uh, details. Whereas Christians, with their baptism, Catholic Christians at least, are able to partake of the sacraments where it's not. Uh, being surrounded with the law of the Lord, but having our Lord actually inside us. So it's a fulfillment there. This, um, this concept also of uh, the, the cleansing of the Jewish people, it's, uh, you know, we, the, the Church Fathers have, have uh, likened uh, 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 the Exodus and the splitting of the sea as a foreshadowing of, uh, of, uh, of baptism to come. And um, uh, I, I recall this is a somewhat humorous. I studied uh, uh, church history in, in, in college, and when I was in graduate school, and it wasn't it was not usual for a, a Jew to be in a, a, a course on church history. But there was one other Jew in the class. Now I had studied for a while already uh, the scriptures and Christology, so. Uh, it didn't. It didn't strike me when there was a lecture. I mean, it didn't shock me when there was a lecture about uh, uh, Christology and the foreshadowing of certain verses and how they are fulfilled in, in Scripture. Now, this other Jew in the class, uh, he was I, getting more and more anxious with each each verse that the professor brought down and showed. Here is, you know, here here is the verse. Here's its fulfillment. Here this. Here this. And you know, each. Each verse, he was getting more and more uh, ready to jump out of his seat. And then finally, when the professor mentioned the, the, uh, uh, at, at the uh, splitting of the sea, that this is 
foreshadows baptism, the the young man jumped out of his seat and said, But nobody got wet! <laughs> <laughs> so, it, which was, you know, it, he just couldn't contain himself anymore. And that that's interesting because, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, the water does cleanse us, but ultimately it's God who cleanses us. So, um, you know, that's we just use that, that substance which was given to us, and the waters were made uh, holy because our Lord himself went into them for his own baptism. He didn't need to be baptized, but, uh, but he went into the waters not only to show us what we need to do, but by his entering the waters, he made holy the waters, making that which would be able to cleanse us. So, uh, so there was a, a foreshadowing there. But also, uh, uh, interesting, uh, just to say, uh, the, of, of God's uh, kindness and, and mercy and, and wanting to care for us so greatly, yes, no one got wet in the splitting of the sea. And, you know, when we're, we're reading that in uh, a Easter visual, uh, the, the verses that are brought down about how the Jews went dry-shod through mm-hmm. So not only were they uh, uh, saved from from the the waters of the sea, but in such a way that not even their feet got wet. They didn't have to walk mm-hmm. through the mud. Even the the bed of the uh, of the uh, of the sea was dry for them mm-hmm. to walk through. That wow. uh, you know, God just uh, he, he gives he gives his all. You know, he to this. The, the, the smallest detail he takes care of us. So, well, let me, um, let me break in there. I, I did want to mention one other thing that pops out at this um, uh, chapter of, of John, uh, chapter 7, which is easy to uh, kind of skate by. But the very first verse that I read was, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, the only way the Jews could be, or the Jewish authorities could be seeking to kill him, is if the Sanhedrin had already met and um, uh, condemned him as a as a false messiah, essentially. And uh, that's echoed again when a few verses later, and there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, "No, he is leading the people astray." Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Because, again, if he had been condemned by the Sanhedrin as an apostate and a false messiah, then his followers would have been subject to um, excommunication. So uh, this is one of the places, and there are others also, which make clear that uh, the Jewish authorities were not playing straight when they were pretending to try him on the night of Holy Thursday and only then decide that he was subject to death. In fact, they had met in secret months earlier and had already made that determination. And it's, re- it's reflected in this, um, in this chapter in, the con- in conjunction with uh, Sukkot. Yeah, and there are uh, many other places, I believe, uh, I don't know if it's in John, but certainly in the Gospel uh, narrative, of how they were waiting for the opportunity to uh, trip him up, so to speak, and many times that they they tried to do that. But here at Sukkot, um, it was uh, very obvious. And here at Sukkot, 
he made him, he made it very clear who he is. He made I it clear. But this is, this is more than them trying to trip him up. This is actually a reflection of the fact that the Sanhedrin had already effectively condemned him to death. Mm, yeah, but, uh, and, and so it's, it's both extreme. You have his, yeah, his, it's exactly. The, uh, it's, it's intention of his enemy, well known, and the intention of, of those who were after him, well known, and his, and say intention, but his, his purpose becomes, uh, well known, that he is the living water. Now this, it would still be a while before the, the passion. Uh, he, he, he's here at uh, Sukkot, and then uh, he, he goes through more of his, his ministry. There'll be the other miracles and the raising of Lazarus, and then the, uh, he's going to be in the, in the temple for the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah time, and uh, and then uh, following that will we'll lead up to the Passion. But here, here is where he's, he's, he's getting as, um, as, uh, as clear publicly as he had to date of who he is. You could and, actually um, say, I, I, um, uh, I, I don't know if this is completely on solid ground, but one could actually say, I don't want to say that this is the beginning of the Passion, but this is really the beginning of the final act. Because in John yeah. 6, he gave the Bread of Life discourse, but he gave it in Capernaum. So he gave it in Galilee, in some sense, you know, to a crowd of his followers. But this is where he goes up to Jerusalem and announces himself in public, already under condemnation of death, and then um, things quickly unfold and lead up to lead up to the the Passion. Wow, I didn't. I mean, that's that's a wonderful connection there because John six is John six, as you say, the bread of life discourse. But John, the whole that that uh, that chapter six is. is Flashing neon sign. This is the Christ. This is the Christ. This is the Christ. And now he will, he will actually say that in the temple on Sukkot. Interesting also is Sukkot is the holiday where all the, all the nations are, uh, uh, being remembered, uh, for good as well. That there are 70 sacrifices brought during those seven days. And that's uh, equivalent to the uh, uh, generic term of the 70 nations, the nations which came out of the, the uh, children of Noah. Oh, wow, so this uh, is the time uh, for the redemption of the Gentiles. Yep, so I mean, it, it all comes together there. You have the redemption of the Jews, the redemption of the Gentiles, you have the the, uh, the uh, uncovering and evidence that, that, that our Lord is indeed the Christ, the Messiah, you you have it all there in this uh, in this wonderful imaging during this uh, this, this holiday. Let me, which, uh, it, let it, me just repeat it, that uh, though, or, or underline it a little bit because it went by a little bit fast. So it was during Sukkot that the Jews were to offer sacrifice in the temple for the rest of the nations, for the rest of the world, for the non-Jewish world. Correct. And yes. so let me just go on. And, and of course, Jesus was the Jewish sacrifice for the redemption of the rest of the world, of the non-Jewish nations, of all of humanity. And so it was on Sukkot when the sacrifice was made for the redemption of all the nations of the world that Jesus began his sacrifice of himself for the redemption of the nations, of the Gentiles of the world. 
very, very uh, uh, succinctly, beautifully put, Roy, and it gets better yet. <laughs> the last day of uh, after Hoshana Rabbah of Sukkot, you have those six, seven days of Sukkot and those 70 offerings for the 70 nations, and then you have what's called Shemini Atzeret. It's the eighth day of the assembly, which also Atzeret can also mean held over, brought close. That's that day that the Jews, it's, it's as if God's saying, stay one more day with me. Don't leave yet. You know, it's Pilgrimage Festival. Stay one more day. And the sacrifice on that day, all the days before, it was 70 bulls. The sacrifice on that day, guess what it was? That intimate sacrifice that the Jews gave to God on that, that last day that was a special uh, a date that the Jews held over after the holiday. The sacrifice was a, can you guess? Lamb? Yes, a lamb! <laughs> Could it be any more perfect? It's, uh, I mean, the, the typology is so direct, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's so beautiful. It's, uh, and, and, it, and it's, uh, oh, I get goosebumps when I think of it, you know, it's, uh, the, the also, uh, the, uh, I, I, I hate tradition. to do this, because I, I don't want to over, overdo the numerology, which is perhaps a, a Jewish vice, but, uh, wasn't there something about 70 disciples being sent out also? You mean Jesus sending out the? Yeah. They say seventy or seventy-two. Some some. Uh, some say uh, seventy. Some say seventy-two. Yeah. Some say 70, 72. But um. But yeah, you could say in terms of of uh, 70, if you want to uh, stretch that to an, an image of going out to to all the nations. That would be a, a good connection there. So um, yeah. The, that that last. Day of uh, the Hoshana Rabbah, as we've mentioned before, about the uh, water libation, and uh, it, 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 it was uh, done with such fanfare and literally with the, the trumpets and dancing and, and colors and parades and and uh, and it said that one has not had joy in his life if he hadn't seen the Simchat Beit Hashuvah, the the joy the uh, of the uh, Water pouring forth from the temple, and uh, you know it's uh, just just that wow. image. Well, like one hasn't and, had joy in one's life if one hasn't had the living water. You know, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Right, and that's exactly what he said right there in John. Right, I am the living water. Right there on the coast to the people. Yes, it's. Uh, Now, I don't know if we have time, but um, if we do, maybe you could talk about this other kind of central theme of Sukkot, which has to do with welcoming the the outsider, welcoming the guest. Uh, Oh, so you're talking about the Ushpizin. The Ushpizin, and maybe maybe if you talk about it, there'll be some Christological, you know, kind of... um, uh, interpretations that emerge. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's there. Which, you know, if we're lucky. <laughs> if we'll be able to, to, to be enlightened by them at the moment. But um, Ushkizin means it's uh, Aramaic for guest. 
And um, I, some of your listeners may have seen uh, there was a, a movie a few years ago entitled Ushpizin, which centered around uh, some guests that were brought into the, the sukkah. And, uh, you know, there was a whole plot that went along with that. But the, the, um, the basic thrust was faith. And as I said before, with the mystical uh, 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 description of Sukkot is the shadow of faith. The sukkah is the shadow of faith. So, I mean, that, that movie did uh, uh, emphasize the idea of faith and, uh, and the protagonists and the, and the story that uh, their faith in God brought them uh, a salvation of sorts. But um, anyway, the term of season is, is the guest. So aside from the physical human and being, human being guest that we uh, uh, can invite into the Sutta, there is a night, uh, each day uh, a prayer to invite some of our historical figures into the Sutta. And, uh, and with them and their, their personalities and what they represented, uh, Abraham is invited in first, and we concentrate on his, his loving kindness, his, uh, his, his mercy and loving kindness that was so, uh, uh, evident in his character. Then Isaac is brought in, and, and, and Jacob, and, and Joseph, and Moses, and Aaron, and David, you have those seven, and, and each of their qualities, characteristics, and stations, so to speak, are emphasized. Now, Christ, if we want to uh, give a little Christological bent there, he fulfills all of those because you have uh, those uh, personalities, the patriarchs, and then you have priests, prophets, and kings with uh, Moses and Aaron and, and David. Well, you have uh, uh, Jesus fulfilling all of those. And uh, uh, so bringing into that we're already in, in cap, uh, covered, surrounded by this, uh, this mitzvah, this command, in this, this tent. And in that, we are bringing in our, these historical figures from which we learn and from which point to salvation. And, then, of course, and, and which are, in some sense, types of Christ, you know, characterizing right, different he, attributes right. or, or yeah. virtues of, of uh, Jesus Oh, sure. Each one of those has uh, 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 you know, the church fathers have shown the circumstances of their life pointing to uh, foreshadowing Christ's yeah. life and his, his passion. And, uh, so and we're, so they're answer. being invited in. They're being invited in sequentially over the, the seven days of Sukkot. And they're, they're each like a little, a little facet, a foreshadowing of a particular facet of Christ. And then when Christ finally reveals himself, it's on the la- it's on Sukkot. Right. And he reveals himself at the end after all those, those pieces have been put together. Yeah. Cause you invite, invite each of them in. And then it's not just, okay, the first night is Abraham. The second night is we have Abraham and Isaac. Okay. Isaac is the new one coming in. But Abraham's divided in two. The next night, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And, you know, so each, until you have them all, all those, those personalities and the stations they represented until it points to the fulfillment of all of them on that last day, the living waters, which he proclaims himself. And, and uh, one can, one can visualize them all, all assembled in the, in the sukkah. 
you know, ready to welcome um, Christ when he comes, when he reveals himself, and when can equally well visualize them, uh, as was the case, assembled in the limbo of the fathers, because, of course, they were not in heaven before Christ came, oh, and that yes, is the other time yes. when they were all assembled, eagerly waiting the coming of Christ. <laughs> That's a beautiful uh, but, image also, how he came to to uh, to bring them into into the heavenly banquet. Right? So that's we, right, we because the gates of heaven were, were closed until he descended descended on uh, Holy Saturday. Well, anyway, I, our, our, our time is up. Um, once again, I, I want to thank you for, for, you know, this, this, you know, beautifully inspirational kind of, um, you know, journey through a particular aspect of the, of the Jewish year and, and showing how intimately related it is to its fulfillment in, in Christianity and Christ in the church. I, and, uh, uh, you know, I I hope it made sense. I I, I think a lot of seeds were plant were were you know placed there. The kind of a lot of a lot of um, thoughts which could have used a lot you know some more development and will kind of grow into into broader pictures. I hope it was fun for you, wasn't Marie? It was. Yes, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I think the Holy Spirit helped us along with some of these insights. It's it's all there. It's just. It's getting the eyes open to it. You know, Christ is that Word made flesh, and he's there in the Word, he's there in the liturgy, he's there. We just have to, to seek him out, to, to drink from those those uh, everlasting, ever-living waters. So, Streams uh, of living water. Uh, again, to you, a gamarto to you and our listeners, that it should be fulfilled for good for all of us. Uh, thank you, and I want to thank our listeners for listening. Well, I'm cutting in here because uh, I don't want the recording to thank you and say goodbye. Um, I was kind of spellbound re-listening to this show on uh, Sukkot, on, on the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, and the life of Jesus and the redemption that Jesus brought interwoven with the symbolism of uh, Sukkot and uh some of the kind of uh, mystical, theological events of Sukkot in the Jewish liturgy tied into the sacrifice of Christ. So I hope you enjoyed it also. And um, Sukkot ended, I'm a little bit, um, uh, ended last night, actually, uh, this year, October 9th. So I thought it would be fitting to to have a little uh, exegesis and catechism on Sukkot today. And uh, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me. And uh, invite you back to join me again next week, same time, same place, on uh, Radio Maria, Jesus the Promised Messiah of Judaism, with me, your host, Roy Showman. And it's time to say goodbye for now. And please join us again next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. Easy.